Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking it to you live with the campaign, Beckons of the Herald of Steel. I almost tripped up on that one. I didn't, but I almost did. With the adventure, the master, and the quest, lightning in a bottle. Or in a jar. Was it a bottle or a jar? I have it written down that it's lightning in a bottle. Did you have Skylar write the uh, message, or did you actually write the message yourself? What? Talk to Jared. What? About what? (laughs) God damn it. Nope. Not who. I told my mom happy birthday all on my own. I'm proud of you, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Great. All right. Well, you know what? We are deep within Boltzcrag Peak, and we are dealing with some strange gnomish machinations. And the party, after having dealt with Boltini, the AI that seems to be in control of the place now that the power's been out, uh, they've managed to get past some sentries. They've managed to get their way down the elevator shaft properly. Uh, But now that they're in the heart of Boltzcrag's Peak, hoping to get to the dark heart below, uh, it seems like they've run into something of a uh, very strange realization about the fate of some strange machine here, as as it seems that the last date on this massive clock calendar thingy seems to be, according to Norhill, the day that began the bloodiest battle of the War of the Bleeding Stones. So with that, we're going to just kick right back in in the room where you can see this machine has pretty much been pulled off off the rig uh, and we see Norhill kind of pointing out the exact date, if he does say it out loud. He does. What does I look it toward, mean? I look toward Klika and I say, this isn't something you could fix. I don't know the... Oh, um... Well, give me a minute. And Klika spends a minute casting Mending and seeing if anything works again. No, but you do notice... Um, as you're kind of looking around at this machine, you notice that the overall dimensions of it and the size of this thing are pretty in, intense. Like this room itself is like a 50 by 50 square uh, with the ceiling vaulting up about 50. But you can see that this, this giant swirling series of circles of clocks and calendars here, it seems to be sort of nestled into the ground as if there's almost like one of those Mancala like inlays into the ground that it sort of sits into. And one thing that you can tell is the, 
moment that has every one of these gears kind of snapped off and broken, it seems to have come from something getting lodged into the actual mainframe in here. And you can tell from looking down below that there's like a, a metal like weapon of some sort that's been lodged deep within to the machine. And it seems like pulling the thing out is going to be itself quite a bit of a trial, but it seems that it's going to be something relatively doable. Um, if we pull that weapon out, we might be able to, I might be able to do some more repairs. Look toward Jarzak. To... Why would you look towards Jarzak? Uh, <laughs> I think Jarzak out of all of us, I would imagine some of the stronger in the Hill. Yo, Jarzak, what's your strength score? Uh, it is a nine. Oh, never mind. Yeah, so yeah, Jarzak Jar can't even swim to save his life. <laughs> For what it's worth, Jared has been saying this since the very beginning, but every time we think of him as a big character, we just assume he's really strong. Uh, he's just a big old spring bean. Yeah, he's yeah, just like true. real, like kind of like tall, lanky, but like wears layers so he looks beefy. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, looks like Greg. Gotta, gotta layer up. Just this, isn't, this isn't my actual voice either. I just force it deeper so that I sound tough. <laughs> just talking in his sleep. It's like this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and these are stilts. I'm just a goblin, too. Cleco <laughs> <laughs> figured it out. But, okay. So, in that case, if Jarzak's not strong enough for the job... Uh, uh, no, I, I am, but I'm good. I, I'd let, like, Norhill try first, of course. Because I like to be kind every now and then. It's the polite thing to do. Sure, yeah. I'll give it a shot. Um, yeah. Good luck. So how would Norhill go about getting to the weapon that's lodged into it? I mean, I'll like... let you do an athletics check at disadvantage. But essentially what you're going to be doing is climbing down into the apparatus and pulling this thing out. But it's going to be a tight fit no matter what. Clayco was a little bit easier to get in there just because she's you're, you're technically a small character, right? I think goblins are small, yeah. Yeah, makes sense to me. But basically, yeah, she was able to slink in there, but you going in there and trying to pull it out is like trying to climb under a car that's not on a lift and pull something out. All right, yeah, I'll try the check at disadvantage. Ronnie, did you want to give guidance? Uh, yes. Is there any way Jarzak and Kleeka can do something to help? Nah, because he's going to be directly underneath it. Well, that's a natural one. Oh. The other, guy, the other die was a 17. So it's almost good. And you would have got one point from guidance. So. Nice. Well, so if it matters, then that's a seven. I mean, seven's enough that you'd go to pull it off and you bang your head because your hands slip off the grip. But now that you've gotten this intimate and this close with this thing, it looks to be a weapon of gnomish make but it looks like a hefty enough one that it would have taken a gnome like both hands to wield it. But it almost looks like a gnomish hooked hammer as if built with a war pick on one side of a handle and on the other side, the blunt flattened end of like a, like a, a smushing hammer there. But what's strange about it is there's some sort of like a metal box at the far end of it that sort of connects the two panels. And you can see a couple of wires that seem to hang fray as it's tightly smushed between two of these like gears, but when Norhill bangs his head under there, he takes three points of damage. 
but you have that uh, armor thing. That's yeah, I was gonna say it's bludgeoning <laughs> damage, right? Yeah, so in that case, you just hear the under. You just hear the ting, like damn it. <laughs> that's pretty solid. Would you like to try again? Uh, Norhill, are you winning? <laughs> okay. <Pika> peeks in, <laughs> <laughs> saying dwarfish swear words like somebody's dad under the car. Yeah. All right, uh, that's a little better this time. Uh, it is a total of ten. You get okay. one more point. Ooh, 11 sick so you pull it out and as you do you slam into the wall again but this time not enough to hurt you at all but yeah you pull it out and the thing feels perfectly balanced to fit into a dwarvish hand or perhaps two gnomish hands but you're able to climb out of this thing perfectly well enough and once you climb out you see it now in better light that this thing is made of like a finely made stainless steel but it almost looks like it came from like a press rather than smithing but it still is like light as air and it seems like it's some kind of a strange metallic compound that seems like very light very swift on the move and looking at it a little bit closer you can see that that metal pack seems to feed into both sides of it and again, those little wires that are like gold and silver seem to be dangling limp. But it does look like it could be repaired with minimal adjustments. What do you make of it, Klika? I have never seen this sort of attachment on a weapon before. Um, Klika, is it made of... Huh... It's just very light and Klika swinging it around a bit. Um, well, Klika can probably fix this, the, the, the weird bit, and we'll see what happens. Okay. And so with some of the uh, adjustment magic there, the wires are able to be pretty easily mended back to their points on the opposite sides. And once that happens, you hear something of like a clicking relay as if you hear something like, unlock in it and you notice that at the bottom of like the handle back the pommel there's something of like a twisted dial that's been untwisted almost like a snapple cab going clica pushes the thing a bunch okay so when you push it all of a sudden the thing begins to hum and vibrate in a way that's like very spooky and all of a sudden, the box at the top lets out a hearing noise for just a second. And a couple. Uh, Click is going to explode. Everybody step back. <laughs> oh, yep. Okay. And a couple of arcing. A couple of arcing cracks of lightning come snapping out of the box to both the pointed end and to the flat face of the hammer. And you can tell that the lightning is kind of contained and caught in the wired relay as if circuiting back and forth between both the pointed pick and the flattened hammer. Mm. Clicka gives it another couple test swings. It arcs and shocks Norhill, killing him. <laughs> His pacemaker wasn't ready for this. Oh God. No. All those years of eating dwarven chili dogs. And it was the lightning goblin that got him. Starts <laughs> arcing between Norhill and Anton's armor over and over again. Oh God. Swing, swing, swing. <laughs> oh, God. No, not this again. Just no. static electricity. Oh, oh wow. Um, Cleek is going to push the button again and then give the weapon back to Norhill. And it's like, well, Cleek doesn't really know what this is, but it looks like something maybe you could use better than Cleek. A boon, I would say. It's interesting. 
and it's the it's the button on the bottom that makes it makes makes you explode and so for all intents and purposes swinging this weapon will give you a bonus d6 of lightning damage and it's considered a plus one weapon I, I hope that i'm proficient with it yeah no it counts as any other sort it just functions as a war hammer and a war pick at the same time nice with um, the two-handed quality versatility Nice. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, war picks are kind of my thing, so. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it just has the hand wide open, just waiting. Get out of your string bean. But Jarzak's okay. like, you know, halfway down the hall because he, Klika said she was going to explode, and he was yeah. like, "Yep, nope, I'm out." <laughs> Very good. And so with that, uh, what's the party to do now? The room that you guys are in is um connected do, 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 do. sorry my computer did that thing where it just is, has to restart on its own and so i have to reload my web page is there <laughs> any way to tell if the like the pat like of this clock is there any way to tell how far back it goes if it um, measures time I mean, just judging by all the different spanning gears on here, it looks like for the sake of just proper craftsmanship, it's almost built in sort of like one of those Y2K kind of ways where it just returns around, but it looks like moving forward, it's got an endless span of time, but moving backward, it looks like the time itself probably goes back only a few hundred years. Why would time just stop at this battle? Why would they, why would they stop their own clock? Well, looking at the fact that it looks like somebody swung a super weapon into it and shut it off, like, pretty abruptly, it looks like somebody may have done something. Perhaps we'll never know their reasons. And standing inside this room and looking around at all the different connections to the clock, it looks like this clock itself was somehow hooked up to many, if not all, of the different electronic systems within inside the building as if this thing kind of worked as something of like a time orchestrating device, as if like things would turn on at certain times, things would open at certain times, etc. And it seems like somebody whipping this thing into the machine could very well have, for all intents and purposes, kind of logged off the whole place. Is there any way Klika could repair the clock now that the weapon's out of it? Using the means that you have, no, but if you were to dedicate like a week's worth of time with the proper tools and proficiency, you could probably do such a thing, but that would require a team and expertise, which that expertise pretty much only lies among, I would imagine, gnomes and dwarves. Oh, perfect. We got time and we got a dwarf. We've got the baby in our backpack. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Thubani. I moved oh, the yes. register across the we also We also have the leader who should know everything. <laughs> like, you can't trick me with that, Jarzak. I'm the DM. Um, but okay, and so with that, this room otherwise only has the one doorway out to the main hallway that you guys were originally popped out at. Um, and if you'd like to go back into that hallway, the doors that you haven't gone into yet are the one directly across the hall. And then to your left is the uh, set of double doors that look pretty well fortified. Right. see we go to the one across the hall first. Okay. And so once you pop into the one across the hall, you can see that the uh, 
Um, room itself is filled with the endless expanse of churning gears and cogs that seem to be attached to that giant sort of like cog gear that I mentioned before that was like a crossing a bridge. This seems to be like the one room that sort of orchestrates all the movements of all the gears in the entire building. And this is sort of like the one big mechanics room that you can go through different shafts and tunnels to get to all the different wheeling gears and engines. So this place is very loud but in a very kind of supernaturally perfectly registered way that nothing feels out of time. And if anything, it almost sounds like an impossibly technically proficient drummer playing something of the most like progressive and technical polyrhythms you've ever heard with just thousands of clicking gears perfectly in time. Weird. Are there, um, well, can I make a religion check for like the gnomish gods if they have any? Yeah, I mean, so strange to me. Yeah, I mean, you know that rock gnomes are known as tinkerers, and you know that they have, again, like this level of technique and ability available to them. But most gnomes worship Garl Glitter Gold and just mainly for their sense of like, you know, keenness, their level or level of cleverness. So the idea that like there's no like mechanic god that they worship or something like that. Um, at least to your knowledge right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, I only but got an eight. Yeah, beyond that, I mean, as far as what you know, planar speaking, I mean, there's things like mechanus, you know, and there's things like that, but beyond that, it doesn't seem like this is, it, it almost feels to be like a gnomish division from magic and religion by, by building such a construction as this place. Because for what it's worth, there's no magical devices in this entire place. Science. <laughs> this is a place of science. Though I will say there Antics are some places... On the ground. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've seen a lot of magic here. So. That's, what was, that's what I was going to say. There is magic, but it's almost one of those things where it's like the necessary price to pay for science to work. You got to grease the axles with magic, which... Feels kind of strange to put it that way, but tis the way of the gnomes. But, okie So, with that in mind, what would the party like to do now? Double doors. Double doors, indeed. Okay. Double so the party doors. marched down the hall with the rhythm of the clocks beating in their head like a drum and make it to the pair of double doors at the end. And you guys go to open this one, hearing the uh, continuous series of gears sort of open it as you approach. And as the doors slide open smoothly, you guys see before you a square chamber. Uh, and the square chamber itself uh, has four gnomish statues at each end. And each one of them does not look necessarily like a gnome proper, but instead looks like a gnomishly sized mechanical person, but made of like marble as if like held together at joints by gears and metal pieces. These look almost like gnomish approximations. You know what I mean? It's kind of like in that movie, iRobot that had, you know, Will Smith and all that stuff there. Like that movie, right? Wasn't that iRobot? No, that yep. was, yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, just making sure I'm like, that sounded too perfect to be that movie. But yeah, where it's like, there's no ears standing off of their heads. There's no like individual fingers on these guys, but they look like gnomes. But what you notice about each and every one of them is they have a shield and they all have something of a weapon to them. And they're all painted, uh, pointed forward towards the center of the room. 
except for one of them, which is turned about 45 degrees to his left. And judging by that, you look at all of them to see what else might be different and notice that at the foot of each one of these guys is a certain rotary dial, kind of like a turning wheel that's hooked up to some sort of gear at the base. And you look over at that last gnome statue that's looking the other way, and there is no turning wheel on it. Does it still appear to have a gear, like it could be turned? It does, but the problem is, is that the actual gear is like built into the base, and so to be able to actually like get in there to turn it would require some level of makeshift impromptu device to do the work for you. Can can I see if the turning device just pops off one of the others? Sure. And as you go over and you pop one of them off, the thing starts to slowly turn as if to that same 45 degree dimensional turn. And then I put it back. Okay. And then once you put it back on, you turn it and he goes back to where he's facing towards the center. When Jarzak turns the rotary, does that turn any of the other ones? No, just the one that's on. Is there anything else in this room? Um, No, but you can roll an investigation check. Guys, I think all these guys just should really face the same way. That way it's a neat and organized thing. So if we just pop all of these off, they're all turn that 45. Who, who's in it? I got an 18. I don't think that's a bad idea. I'm just trying to see if there's like a direction or something on the floor, the ceiling, or the walls. No, I mean, I completely forgot to mention it in the heat of describing things inside of here, but there are two other doorways in this place. Uh, a set of double doors directly across the ones you came in. And then to the side, there is an individual door that even judging by the sounds coming from it, you can hear more of those gears as if it's just connecting back over to that room with all the cogs and stuff. But yeah, if we're on team, lift out all the individual turny wheels. They all turn 45 degrees and nothing happens. But in the time that that's going on, Anton's looking around the room with the light on the, uh, the hope light there looking around. And you notice on the floor that in the individual grating of the, uh, the houndstooth metal floor there, you can see that there is a grate in the center that seems to be sunken in like not even an eighth of an inch as if like a little bit lower than the rest of them. And one could probably make the 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 uh, assumption that it moves or opens or slides aside or something, but it is so impossibly tightly packed in there that it would have to like move down if anything. Mm. And me putting my weight on it, trying to jump on it does nothing, right? Okay. No more than any other spot. Because um, I... I Tell everyone, like, I think this goes deeper into the floor. Nice. I think yeah. I just got a bunch of turny bits. I wonder <laughs> if there's calling. a missing one. If maybe we can find another of those gears. Get it all evened out. Okay. Perhaps. So would the party um, like to continue forward? Or yeah, stay here? continue forward for now. Okay. And so with that, the party pursues uh, the other set of doors, which slide open upon them stepping on a pressure plate by the entrance. And the two doors slide open with a little whoosh. And at the bottom of the hall, after a flight of stairs go down about 20 or so feet, you guys can see that it ends at an intersection with a direction going left and one going right. Which side do you want to go to, left or right? 
Let's go left. Left is always right. No, it's not. Um, and so once you guys walk this way, you can smell something really musty in the air, as if something like dead, fungal, and rotten seems to be clinging to the air. And as you continue down the hall and approach the pressure plates, the doors swing open gently again. And you can see before you is a chamber that's like about 80 feet deep by 100 feet wide. And it's this whole hydroponic room with a bunch of water drizzling from like gouts in the ceiling now that the machines are sort of operational again. And you guys can see that there's small trickling little streams of water in between individual plant beds, but all the plants have long since died and withered. And now what's left are like almost fossilized remains down here. And as you guys push it open, you just smell like the rotten mold that's been able to hang out in here from whatever moisture was left to be scrounged up. Anton just laments is there any light he can give that can maybe help the plants <laughs> what are you a plant priest now <laughs> just feels sad the plants also love the light he, it, I, th- I feel like he's going to find something on the ceiling he can cast light on to try to help him out <laughs> just a spigot just, just... there you go little guy I spawn a cabbage <laughs> Yeah. He too loves the light. <laughs> Greetings, cabbage. <laughs> Shall Anton. we speak of the blessings of light? Anton's flock, you know. <laughs> just a just a little red wagon full of vegetables. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Aw, that's what Anton's gonna do. He's gonna be a stupid farmer. <laughs> just be like, children of the light, I make bread and I farm vegetables, and I hate the winter. <laughs> yep. <laughs> basically <laughs> okay have you guys seen enough in the depressing vegetable room yeah I think so <laughs> come on down to Bolt's Crag peak come for the vegetables stay for the depression but um, the uh, group turns to the right hand path instead and walk down the hallway and at the end of the hall you guys can see as it bends to the left Um, that this hallway branches out to being about 30 feet wide at the widest and continues down about another 60 or so feet, making this big rectangular hallway that looks a little bit more grandiose than the other ones. But at the end of the hall are two reinforced doors, the one to the left being a set of those double doors like before, but the one to the right is something of like a well-decorated and gold-trimmed door covered in little gears and cogs and designs and fixated into the wall are a couple of those gnome looking statues but these ones themselves seem to be more about the size of Anton than the size of the ones in that other chamber so what would you guys like to do Lika's gonna go head over to the ornate door I guess with the Noma statues. Okay. And as you walk up to the door, you hear a humming noise come from the two statues. And you can see that in the center of their face, a couple of yellow lights almost seem to gleam through the um, marble-ish looking stone. And you hear them start to vibrate and they say, what business do you have with Thubani's office? Uh, I mean, we we're with Thubani. He's just hanging out in my bag. We're just bringing him to his office. 
Giovanni, present the password. Giovanni's the greatest. The eyes begin to shift to an orange color and says, <laughs> would you like a hint of your password? Yes, please. No caps in password, only odd numbers, 12 digits. Oh, okay. One, one sec, I'll try again. All right, any of you figure that out while I was talking? <laughs> numbers are not my strong suit, so no. I, I did not write down that clue. Did we guess the 12 random non-capital odd numbers and letters? No. <laughs> it's like, actually, we figured it out. Maybe it has something to do with the, with the statues upstairs. How Unless many characters was Thubani's the greatest and then if no we, we're not we, doing this kind of we need any more we can just put uh not 69 clear. at the so, end can, can you repeat what they said no because it's very okay. clear at this point you guys are going to have to guess some obscure password from a guy who's been dead for a long long time ostensibly believe it makes sense to believe he's been dead for about a century so the ability to be able to get this password is you're right. gonna need something uh, I have forgotten my password. I request a password reset. A password reset has been sent to your Gmail. Mm. <laughs> the G stands I, for gnome. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I need to get in there to get to my, my gnome mail. You have it on your personal... <laughs> on your iGnome. I left that in my office. Oh, God. A new <laughs> iNome will be sent to you in unavailable. Well, if it's unavailable, how am I going to get it? The eyes begin to turn from orange to red. Jarzak's uh, 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 going to back up with Klika. <laughs> Anton and Norhill, however, fuck them. Well, they were already, they didn't approach. As far as I was aware. Fair enough. Do the eyes change back when we kind of back off? No, they stay red. They just don't move. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, I can guess more passwords, but I don't, I don't think that'll work. No. There, oh, my God. oh, I think I know what his password might be. <clears throat> Wow, Jarzak figured it out. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, boy. I don't think he did. I, I have my password. It is password. <laughs> That's Let's only see. eight of the 12 characters you need to... Yeah, I, di I didn't hear the hint, so and I asked yeah, you, for a repeat. You, you so. need four more, and they if it's numbers, they have to be odd. I think the point of this whole thing was is that was like, I know, dude, that's bad DMing. They should be able to fix every fucking thing. You had a thermal goddamn gnome in your backpack. Yeah. No, you, you solved the puzzle by going around it, okay? I'm sick of this shit. Okay? 
The two stone. All right, so it needs to be twelve characters. Okay. okay. Can we check out the other doorway then? The two individual statues step down from their positions and seem to raise their uh, big shieldy-looking arms up as if getting ready for combat, but do not continue any forward. Oh, where's, I'm just getting back in the way. <laughs> Goodbye. Yes. Oh. They don't progress any further. It's just that at this point, they are like basically are saying there have been too many login attempts on your account. Will be logged out for them, or you will be locked out of your account until an admin can reset it, which will be done in unavailable. See, that, see he gets it. Jarzak, come away. Let's try this direction. Okay. Yep. So, uh, okay, I'll go figure out my password. Bye, guys. <laughs> There's just a little PDA sitting on the ground. It's like, oh, here it is. Um, but with that, Uh, As you guys enter the next chamber, um, the room itself is about 40 feet uh, by 40 feet. Um, But walking into this room, it is nearly pitch black. Um, The only thing that seems to offend the senses, uh, I guess most, is this low humming buzzing noise as you guys push the door open into here. Or, yeah, when the doors slide open for you. Jarzak feels that distant itching on the back of his neck as if something's hailing him. And it says, come see my work, Jarzak. Inherit the kingdom. And as the door opens up, okay, a fleet oh. oh. of, of bugs and flies and things come buzzing out in droves. And you guys can hear in this room that there's just like, a low humming buzz as if like a cable's been unplugged from an amp and it's just that but it comes from all sides and all walls in here and it is just a place that not only wretches your guts hearing the noises and smelling the smells inside of there but it feels like supernaturally dark and evil kind of like it did when you guys were at that altar in the first quest does it feel that way for everyone because I imagine Jarzak just like Takes a deep breath in and it's like, <sighs> yeah, a couple of skeeters land on you and they're just like, yo, Jarzak, what's up? I didn't see you at SpookyCon. Where you at? Oh my god, I was, <laughs> I was murdering a bunch of orcs or something. I don't remember, man. The two robots in the hall are like detecting voice change. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> no, that was me, not the Dubani. <laughs> I can't cast Radiance of the Dawn right now, can I? Or at least like daylight or something. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can use the daylight effect from the uh, the lantern if you'd like to. Yeah. Okay, and so you shine the bright light. Are, of you, the are you giving any heads up to the three people with dark vision who have eyes that are specifically attuned for low light situations? And No, no, he's just going to do it. All right, nice. I mean, for what it's worth. <laughs> For what it's worth, the whole place downstairs is very well lit. So this is going to be bright, but it's not going to be like pitch black darkness and somebody flicks on a light switch and you're like, fucking goddamn. So it's like, you guys can all see well enough. What you're recognizing is that the room that you just opened up, you couldn't see in here because there is that many bugs covering the lights in here. As if they're like the low clinging yellow light (laughs) just covered with festering mounds of bugs. And so when the... Daylight, the daylight spell goes off when Anton holds up his hope light there and holds it up. 
the room is just a thriving mound like sand dunes of bugs that are crawling over one another. But the most important thing that you notice inside the room is what appear to be a few sets of jail cells or bars. And you can see one large set filled to the brim with a series of gnome skeletons that are in the midst of a festering pile of all these bugs and centipedes and creepy crawly things that have made it their business to just live out an entire society inside of this room. And again, as Anton holds up the hope light and gleams the daylight spell into here, it feels almost as if like an, like an exhale of evil is let loose from the room and it just billows through past everybody as if you guys have just opened up the door to a room of absolute and pure desecration and evil as if you know, like this chamber has been just left to sit in pure evil. So Anton's daylight spell being of pure light from the illuminator itself seemed to challenge this. And there's a weird moment of like the bugs dispersing in like waves and like slinging back and forth. And again, you guys just see what to be a series of like 30 to 40 gnome bodies that are just held together still by like their little gnomish jumpsuits and clothing but there are just piles of bones and remnants and hair and stuff like that that's yet to be devoured. And Jarzak, again, feels the itching, biting feeling in the back of his head. And it's Jarzak, like, all Jarzak it's thinks... Uh, sorry. Uh, Jarzak just thinks when he sees this, that, that's some nice work. And, and so with that, when Jarzak thinks that the voice in the back of your head says, get into the other room. See what I am capable of all you can attain destroy those beings and get inside the chamber uh throws up <laughs> oh oh that's right i forgot about klika's <laughs> being clean whoopsies uh guys let's uh, get out of here and shut this door and i i think we gotta go the other way you know no hold on a moment if these uh, these might be the place's defenders if we know how they fell, we might be able to find some warning of what lies ahead. Uh, looks like bugs got him. <laughs> Lots of bugs. <laughs> do you not see all these? Do you not see all these bugs? That usually happens second. Uh, Norhill looks around. Does he see any signs of combat or struggle or like wounds on the remains of the gnomes? I mean, isn't it just bones? Yeah, it's well, just. I mean, they'd be cracked or. I mean, so, maybe not Norhill because he's not proficient in medicine. But... Can I get an investigation check from everybody at disadvantage? Except for Jarzak. No penalties. Oh, okay. I was like, do I not have to investigate? Do I just get it? Uh, that's going to be a <laughs> 14 from Norhill. Kliga got a 6. 10. Ernie got a 3. And you got a 10 for Jarzak? Yep. Okay, so Norhill and Jarzak, I believe the two highest scores here. You guys can see amongst the ravenous hordes of insects that there are remnants of like shields and rusted bits and weapons that are kind of just scattered about on the floor, all gnomishly sized and whatnot, but they've all been sort of kept astray from the, the people inside the cages. And it's easy to suspect that whoever was left in the cages like we're stripped of all these sorts of things and they must've just been rounded up and put in there because again, judging by the size of this, this like cell here, there's no way that they could have fit comfortably by any means. Like they were packed in there by like, like, you know, like sardines 
as if some greater threat was on the outside. But there's so no brushes or wounds or anything like that. But it just looks like they must have gotten corralled in here. How horrible. What way to go? I'm going to say a prayer. Clica yeah. sees that she has corn in her vomit, but she doesn't remember eating corn. Yeah, I'm probably guessing this is why the uh, gnomes aren't running the place anymore. Oh. Uh, when we get ready to leave, Norhill's going to take out a piece of chalk and draw a little rune on the door uh, to indicate that it's a grave. Very good. What's, uh, what's Anton's prayer look like? You still got the daylight spell out. Are you just going to pray for the sanctity of their souls and hope that their souls went somewhere good, even though their bodies sure didn't? Yeah, I'm even going to like go up like try to get as close to the cage as I can. He's not really bothered too much by the insects. He's a little bit like shocked at first, but he's gonna like touch the bars and like bless it because clearly this was their last sanctuary in a horrifying way. <laughs> well, perhaps. But with that, once you're saying this prayer, Jarzak again, you hear the itching biting thing and it says, do not take too long, you fool. Uh, Jar- Jar- yeah, immediately is going to head to the other chamber then and just be like, alright guys, let's go to the other one. I'll meet you there. And I'm going to go and start attacking the statues. When your patron says impossible, jump, you say how high. I know, but it's just scary to think it. And as you're... Uh, actually, often- actually, I'm... Uh, uh, Jarvis is the intercom system guy, right? Voltini? Or Voltini, Voltini. yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going to try something first real quick. Hey, Voltini! Uh, These guys won't let me in my room. Uh, Can you get rid of them? I'm afraid those security systems were made beyond the... Jarzak starts blasting. (laughs) Jarzak's like, fuck this machine! (laughs) And that's where we're going to end the episode. Hey everybody, it's the young Grognar here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter, or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dungeonous. Thanks. <laughs>